The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host for today's episode, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined once again by my new co-host, the one and only, the Libra icon. What's up, Dwayne? What's going on, man? How's it going? Glad to be officially part of the team. Thank you for having me, as always. Oh, man. Glad you could join us. And we are joined today by the returning Mr. Nabias Wilborn. What's up, Nabias? Man, what's up, gentlemen? And hey, Dwayne, man, um, really great to have you with the crew. Um, seeing your name out there a bit, so kind of familiar with the work, and you know, good to have you along in the fold, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Just a quick reminder, Know the Score is a CSPN production. You can find us on www.cspn.us. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. So, guys, we're going to jump right into it. Nabias, I want to get your opinion right off the break. Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell, the NFL seems like it's almost at a civil war. Jerry Jones is trying to stop the man from getting his paper. Roger Goodell says he wants $50 million salary, use of a private jet, and health care for his whole family for life. What's the deal, man? Arthur Blank in Atlanta's on one side. We got Jerry on the other side. They got their, you know, people behind them. And Roger Goodell is the reason for the fight. Is the NFL going to implode? Well, I mean, it's not going to implode. I guess, as they say, too big to fail, right? But let's start forgetting Mitchell Arthur Blank. Oddly enough, I spoke with him and got a story coming on SportingNews.com that you can check out there that'll, that'll talk from the Blank side. He is the chairman of the Compensation Committee. They're, they're the ones who decide what Roger Goodell makes. I mean, the, the thing is, all right, Roger Goodell's got 18 months left on his contract, right? And, okay, typically, at least I know in my industry, you know, if – they're renegotiating with you because you got another offer, right? Like, I mean, 18 months, so many things can happen in 18 months. So I don't think Jerry Jones is wrong to say, hey, man, hey, look, we, we about to spend a lot of money on this dude. And if you look at it when you have the Ray Rice situation, you have the deflate gate, you know it costs $20 million to investigate deflate gate? Um, that's a lot of damn money. And the NFL is constantly putting out this money. And don't get me wrong, the league is still printing money, but, you know, as ratings continue to go down and, you know, there's more than several reasons why the ratings are going down, the, the NFL has the right to ask, yo, why are we about to get this man $50 million? What's on Roger Goodell's side is that nobody else as of now has been groomed for the job. But what's on the NFL side is typically when you get a re-up contract, it's like John Gruden, for instance, right? I, everybody knows. He's the calling commentator for Monday Night Football, right? Everybody knows he's making, you know, a couple mil for ESPN and he ain't got a coach, right? So mm-hmm. whenever these situations come out, he gets rumored for the University of Tennessee gig, right? All right. What that really is is his agent talking to, you know, Andy Katz or whomever in this media business that, you know, his agent is tied into and puts a little something out there and say, hey, man, you know, Gruden might be interested. So then now this gets out, right? So now ESPN is like, yo, we want to keep our man, right? Because, you know, Gruden is entertaining on those broadcasts. That, especially with Sean McDonough, no offense. I like Sean a lot, but Sean's kind of a run-of-the-mill kind of broadcaster, right? Um, Gruden is that broadcast to me. So they want to keep Gruden. So now Gruden goes back and says, hey, man, look, man, you know, Tennessee, you know, it might be a good job. I may take it. I don't know. I miss coaching. 
all of a sudden ESPN comes back with a re-up. Who's trying to sign Roger Goodell? Like, I don't think Goldman Sachs is calling Roger Goodell to come be CEO. I don't think the NFL, the NBA is calling Roger Goodell to be their CEO. The NHL probably should, but they can't afford him. So, like, you don't have any competition for Roger Goodell. And he's got 18 months left on his contract. Why are you rushing? Jerry Jones is right. However, comma, dot, period, it looks shady because of the situation with Ezekiel Elliott and him being alleged with, you know, allegedly. And, I, I, and, and by the way, you know, you guys know, listeners, more than ever, especially after what we've seen in the last week or two, um, y'all, y'all better get used to the word alleged. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just being real, man. I ain't trying to, you know, you know oh, yeah. knock any actual true victims or anything of that nature. But there's a reason why we use alleged and accusations. And, you know, anyway, they not be too long-winded. Michael Irvin, of all people, taught me one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in journalism. When I first got into this, to this crazy-ass business, he was like, hey, man, look, there are charges, then there are indictments, and then there are convictions. And they're all different. And keep that, and I, I'm just throwing it out there. Keep that in mind as as we discuss things going on. That being said, Ezekiel Elliott was alleged to something. The NFL believed there was enough to it, and so they gave that man six six game suspension. They fought it. Now he's finally going to serve it, which you know that's the game. So it does look like Jerry Jones is being a little pissy about this, but I don't think Jerry Jones is wrong, and there are some owners who support him. But then there's also owners who are kind of pissed at Jerry Jones because they feel like he has too much power in the league. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum. All right, Dwayne, if you want to jump in right quick and kind of give your thoughts about, um, you know, Jerry Jones trying to treat Roger Goodell like a player. Like, you know, there's no reason to, you know, give you more money because you're still under a long-term contract, basically. Yeah, pretty much the contract is he's got a year and a half left. And I'm trying to figure out what is the rush with Roger trying to get all this stuff going on. And also the fact that the owners and the players gave Goodell all this power, Goodell uses said power. And then Jerry Jones, you know, because it's involved one of his players is being a big baby about it. I do get the fact that, you know, I do get the fact that, you know, Jerry, Jerry Jones does have a lot of power because his team is worth over three and a half billion dollars. So when you, have a team that's worth three and a half billion dollars, of course, you're going to have more influence on other owners than anybody else. Maybe he's trying to get pay people under the table, trying to get on the side. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where, you know, Jerry's got to fall back a little bit. Um, I get where he's coming from, but, you know, with with the whole um, Elliot situation, why is all this coming up? Why is all this, like, coming to the forefront now, you know, because of the whole Elliot situation? I mean, it's it's such a tough conundrum because Jerry Jones is the owner who helped the Rams get to L.A., right? right. So Stan Kroenke is indebted to him. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He's the one who pushed along the Raiders' move to Vegas. So Mark Davis is indebted to him. And yeah. then Mark David, Mark Davis's dad, Al Davis, and Jerry Jones go back, so mm-hmm. they're kind of tight. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know it's it's going to be interesting. But then you have owners like the Maras who own the Giants. You have the the Clarks who own the Chiefs. Some of these old school owners 
and families are like, hey, hold on, Jerry Jones. Hey, we hey, we got something to say about this thing, too. Um, Arthur Blank and Jerry Jones always were tight initially, but then they kind of fell out recently. And right. some of that has to do with, you know, you got to remember, man, at the end of the, you know, God, I hate the phrase at the end of the day. Find me for that. But man, look, <laughs> these owners are regular ass people. They just got a whole lot more money. Than any of us ever see. So, and, and at the heart of it, the NFL is nothing but a family business. If you yeah, go back really in is. time and it look is. at it, it and look at the ownership tree, I mean, you know, these teams have been in most of these families for yeah. the duration the of the NFL. The Roonies, the, the yeah. Houses, the McCaskies. Yeah, and, and if you look at I mean, look, some of these teams were won in card games. So, I mean, like, if you really go through, like, the history of the NFL and you look at how some of these teams were acquired, how they've come to exist. It, it is a fascinating study in, in economic divide, race, and all that stuff. But, I mean, that's a whole other topic. I mean, that's a whole other pocket. We can spend an hour or two hours just on distribution of wealth, you know, and how it manifests itself in the NFL. But all that being said, I mean, Jerry's got clout, but he's also got some haters. So, but I do think the owners would be wise to really evaluate, yo, why are we going to pay this man you know, $48 million, give them private jet for life, give them all these things, and not even negotiate on it. Just, you know, give him what he wants. Like, I I don't I don't think that's wise, and I think it's also wise of the NFL as an ownership group to challenge their spending. I mean, look at what's going on in these days and times. I mean, I, private jet for life, I mean, look, if you can get it, I ain't mad, but I do think they have to challenge this. Agreed. Roger might have been inspired by the Ric Flair 30 for 30, man. Woo! Hey, man, you know, like I always say, get your money if you can get it. But, you know, if it's the NFL, hey, you, you got it. You got all the money. money. Right. All right. So, right. yeah, it'd be uh, just another interesting twist and turn as another week goes by. You know, last week it was kind of just a simmer about this Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell thing. But this week it definitely, you know, started boiling. So we'll see, you know, what's going to happen within this next week because the NFL has sent, you know, letters to Jerry Jones. Basically, like you said, Dwayne, chill out. You're showing uh, actions detrimental to the league. Antics is what they basically call what Jerry Jones is doing, trying to block the contract and, and build up this coalition. So, you know, this just may be getting started from here on out. So we'll see. Um, something else that happened that was very curious this week was Tyrod Taylor got benched by the Buffalo Bills. It looks like the Bills have said, hey, five wins is enough, and they're going to go into tank mode as uh, I guess they're figuring out their new uh, leadership, new ownership, new general manager, new head coach are going to finally try to take the team into their direction because that's the only answer for Tyrod Taylor being benched. The team's five and four. Um, you know, he's been – you know, all his weapons have been taken away. Defense not quite as good as it has been in the past. Dwayne, can you make sense of what the Bills are doing? Well, Carolina North, as I like to call them. Um, yeah, so the problem with the Bills is they're 5-4. and four. They're 6th in the playoff picture. And, this is, and Tyrod Taylor hasn't done anything wrong well maybe he has he's had a couple bad performances in the last few weeks but nothing to warrant a bench your team is still in the thick of the playoff picture they haven't been there since 1999 bills fans are starving for some kind of playoff success in the 21st century and 
And for now, to pull the plug for Nathan Peterman, like, I had to even ask the question, who the heck? Who the hell is Nathan Peterman? So I even had to go and find out. You know, the dude went to Pitt. He was at he was at another school. I forgot which one. But um, I'm just I, it's baffling to me. You know, you got a you got Brandon Bean. You got Sean McDermott. Uh, you know, trying to put their stamp on this team. I guess this is their first step in doing that. Do I agree with it? No, I hate it for Tyrod, you know, and I think I was watching uh, Nick Wright on, uh, I was watching a clip with Nick Wright, and it just, and he had a valid point, like, the margin of errors for a black quarterback is significantly small than for a white quarterback. What if Nathan Peterman, if he balls out, great, awesome, but what if he performs horribly? What's what's going to be the, what's going to be the, question then but it's just you know that just a shame that it's going down that road i mean the game's a game man i mean you know it's we know what it is you know i I don't know how this changes but it appears he's out in buffalo and that's the way he wanted so what he's got to do now is healthy and hope he gets another shot somewhere else well, he's the good thing for him is he he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, so he'll be in the mix. Yeah, he'll be all right. Big yeah, money he'll, for he'll the quarterback right. market. And um, another thing is, I mean, he's basically shown you know he's he's a very efficient quarterback. Um, he basically he had ten touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, he was completing like sixty percent of his passes. Um, so you know there will be a landing spot for him. Just you know, the Bills didn't really want to rock with him to start the season. They were trying to you know trade him in the off season. Uh, it, could, it didn't work out for him. So I guess they figured this is the next I mean, best when, way. when they when you know well, look when when you don't when they don't want you, it's like again, it's like any other job, man. When they don't want you, they don't want you, bro. You know what I'm saying? You right. can't make them want you. Right. That's the, right. that's the bottom line. You you can't you can't make people like you. You can't make them want you. And well, I, I can take that to another level, but I'm gonna be good. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, we, we we get it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, look, you, you, you can't make them want you, baby. That's that, that's the bottom right. line there. Right, right, right. And, and, right. You know, and that and that is true. I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that at all. It's just you know, you know, at least. I guess at this point you do want to just uh, you do want to make sure you get the the um, right personnel, but that you want for your team and that matches your vision. But at the same time, it's just like you know you're still in the playoff hunt, but I guess you're gonna sacrifice it. That's your that's on you. That's on Buffalo. So. Right. Those fans going to wait a little bit longer because you can't throw a man out in the street if he makes the playoffs. It'll look bad. The perception from your fan base will look terrible, but if you can kind of make him have a, if he has a bad game and you kind of swoop in now, you know what I'm saying? It's questionable, but it's still at a point where once it goes bad or if it goes good, either way, you know, your fan base isn't quite as, you know, upset or see it as for what it is. So obviously, you know, coming off this bad game where, you know, the defense was bad and they only scored like nine points, you know, the fan base can kind of, you can placate the fan base and they can go, I don't know, but you know, he did have this kind of game last week. So um, talking about on field stuff this week, we've got the Rams facing off with the Vikings. 
seven and two, just basically for the second place in the NFC conference wise. If you're looking at the playoff standings, Vikings with an impressive offensive showing against the Washington football team last week, uh, basically working over the strength of the Washington defense, which is the secondary. Josh Norman did not look good as he got torched a couple of times. Um, they scored 38 points and the Rams doing what they do. Uh, put up 33 against the uh, Texans to get the win there. So, Dwayne, I'm going to come to you and ask you, what do you think about this game? Who do you think has the advantage? The Vikings are at home, for what that's worth. I want to go with the Case Keenum revenge game. The reason why, you know, Case Keenum was the Rams quarterback and he got replaced by Jared Goff, which was going to happen anyway. Um you know, it was just a matter of time before that was going to happen. Case has found a home in Minnesota uh, for the season. He's done very well as their quarterback, holding the fort while Sam Bradford and went down. And then Teddy Bridgewater, you know, has come back. I know the lease is short for him, but, you know, he says it's just another game. But come on, you always want to stick it to somebody that stopped believing in you. So I'm going to say the – I'm going to say the Vikings – at home, we'll get the W. I still have trust issues with Jared Goff on the road. They're having a great season. They do put up a lot of points, but um, the Vikings defense is a different monster, and they're going to pretty much see what the Rams are truly made of now and in these last in these next few weeks. The thing for the Vikings are they got a kind of sneak preview of what they're going to see this week by playing the Washington football team last week. The only disadvantage is the Rams have much better skill position players uh, than, than Washington does. So that like quarterback receiver. So it, it, it may look the same, but it's probably going to be a lot faster and a lot harder for the Vikings. So, I mean, the Rams have pretty much passed every test. So I'm going to go with the Rams on the road. I, I think their defense is starting to kind of, gel in the place they were kind of behind their offense but i think they're starting to catch up and kind of get into what wade phillips is doing and you know having a veteran defensive coordinator never hurts especially for a young team the interesting thing for the vikings is teddy bridgewater is clear he's ready to go and mike zimmer has been kind of playing these games you know some sportsmanship some gamesmanship about you know not naming a starting quarterback and they're basically saying that teddy bridgewater is going to return as a starter at some point they just don't know when they're going to ease them in. So, um, you know, we'll see how that works out for the Vikings. They've got a lot of momentum. Case Keenum seems to have good chemistry with Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs. So, you know, we'll see if this maybe moves to Teddy Bridgewater kind of in the course of the season backfires on them or not. The next big game this weekend, NFC East matchup, Sunday night football. We've got the 8-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles against the 5-4 and four Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys coming off last week where, you know, um, no uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, no Tyron Smith, and, you know, Dak Prescott got beat like a pinata. Eight sacks, six from my man Claiborne of the Falcons alone. Uh, you've got, got the Eagles, um, you know, they're riding high. You know, they've been on a bye, so they're, they're going to be fresh and rested. And uh, this is basically, uh, if the Eagles win this game, they're pretty much going to be the NFC East champions because the best that the Cowboys would be able to do would be a tie with them because uh, the Eagles would have to lose, like, the majority of the rest of their games and the Cowboys would have to win the majority of their games. So this is basically for the division right here, this game uh, on Sunday. How do you see this playing out? I see this playing out 
it's going to depend on how desperate Dallas plays because they're the ones that has everything to lose. So if they really want to make some kind of crack at this NFC East, which I personally don't think will happen, uh, you don't have your full you don't have your full complement of weapons. You know Zeke is suspended. Des is Des Bryant. He's got a bum ankle. Um, Dak, like you said, getting knocked all over the place, getting the Tony Romo treatment. And so I want to go with Philadelphia. You know, I think they they got they got healthier. Obviously, with the bye, they got a few things going on offensively that's just clicking, and I think they're going to pick up where where they left off. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. This is probably be the game where the Cowboys figure something out. They're at home. Um, you know, Eagles and Cowboys, they usually play really close games down to the wire. So um, I, I just think just because it's Cowboy Stadium and it, as a Washington football fan, funny things happen when you play in Texas. So I, I see the Cowboys figuring out a way to, to, to make this happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Next big matchup. It seems like these are all big NFC matchups because the AFC is not really that strong this weekend as far as matchups go. As we have Atlanta traveling out to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Uh, Falcons got back on track, you know, a little bit here uh, last week against the Cowboys, as we said. Seahawks, um, they went into the bye week as they had some injuries. Um, you know, Richard Sherman out for the year with Achilles. And, uh, oh, no, actually, they played on Sunday night, or Thursday night, excuse me, and they beat the Cardinals. But Russell Wilson got jacked up as he uh, maybe had some funny business with the concussion protocol. Um, the league will be looking into that as he got ganked out of the game by the referee. Basically did a lap around the sidelines, ran into the blue tent, ran back out, grabbed his helmet, ran back on the field. And uh, everybody was kind of questioning, um, you know, was that, you know, protocol or not so right. nonetheless uh, Falcons and Seahawks in Seattle what's your take well so Monday night bright lights and not only are the Seahawks missing Sherman they're going to be missing Camp Chancellor too and Earl Thomas is still banged up so that could spell you know that does hurt the Seahawks defensively that vaunted secondary is not as vaunted, obviously. So, if Matt Ryan could get the ball down the field to Julio Jones and and um, you know get other receivers to step up, uh, the Falcons likely are without Devontae Freeman because he's in the concussion protocol as well. So, you know, it also will depend on how Tevin Coleman will um, carry the load. I think the Falcons, as much as it pains me to say it. Uh, being as a Panther fan, uh, much as Panthers are saying, I think the Falcons figure it out and they will get the W. All right. And the game that's near and dear to my heart, we have <laughs> the Washington football team traveling down to New Orleans to face the Red Hot Saints. Uh, seven and two right now, seven straight wins. Uh, they basically rushed for like almost 300 yards last week with three running backs. Uh, they had Drew Brees out here 
looking like uh, um you know high school quarterback as he was doing like play action passes and rollouts the whole game not really like doing really much of anything and they still put up like 41 against buffalo so um this is going to be a tough matchup especially coming off the way the secondary played last week hopefully they'll be more tuned in because it's drew Brees. i think they might have kind of you know, not respected uh, Stefan Diggs. I damn sure they didn't respect Adam Thielen. But hopefully they, uh, you know, Norman and, and Breland and and uh, Swanger, they, they had their act together for uh, Thomas this week and those guys from the Saints. Uh, Dwayne, your thoughts? Uh, I was just on the phone with um, a Saints fan, and I was told not to talk trash about them. So uh, I, I got to go with, the Saints on this one because the A, the Superdome, B, the dynamic of the offense, like the New Orleans is not one-dimensional anymore. It's just not a pass-first team. They got so many skills, like so many skilled players on the running in the running game now where, you know, they can get out the backfield, they can catch. Then you got the defensive players who've been really on matching that offensive intensity that's been missing for a very long time, which is the reason why they've won seven in a row. So now looking to go for eight, as much as I would love for Washington to pull the upset off and, you know, have the Panthers who are on a bye week at seven and three, both with the, with the Saints. I think New Orleans will get the W and they'll get eight in a row. The Saints have kind of used the Cowboys uh, script from last year. They've kind of shored up their offensive line, uh, started emphasizing their running game a lot more and have the quarterback do a little bit less and, you know, don't send their defense out there as much on the field. Their defense isn't that great. Their secondary can still be had. But if you're not out there a lot and you're always playing from the lead and the other team just has to pass, 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 you know, it's a little bit easier to play defense. So, um, you know, you know, the Saints have definitely uh, turned it around after they have got rid of Adrian Peterson. Maybe it's just too many, uh, you know, running backs that didn't fit the system because, you know, Ingram's kind of like their power, their version of a power back. And then you have Kamara, who's kind of their third down, change of pace, scat back. And then the kid that uh, the other kid that they showed last week. Uh, you know, he's kind of like both. He's got a little power and a little scat to him. So, you know, yeah. they've kind of got some dynamics there at, at the running back position. So um, hopefully it'll be a shootout and uh, somehow Kirk Cousins can make one more play than Drew Brees. But not not likely, but possible. Anything is possible. Any given Sunday. <laughs> Just a reminder that this is Notice Score. I'm joined by Dwayne, the Libra icon. Nabias Wilborn was also with us. Hopefully, we'll get him back as he had some uh, obligations that he had to take care of, but uh, hopefully, he'll be rejoining us before the show is over. So, now we're going to go into the NBA. Interesting week for the King, LeBron James. Uh, LeBron started up, you know, with some comments directed towards the Knicks uh, after they played the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, he was marveling at the talents of one Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, he basically told the, you know, Dallas media that, you know, he should be a part of the Knicks actually, and not a part of the the Mavericks. That, that you know, he's that good. He's his talents are, you know, that extraordinary. And uh, so that got Ennis Cantor to, you know, show up on social media and said, no, you know, we're pretty we're pretty happy with the guy that we got. Uh, little Frankie is uh, is our guy, and we're riding with him. And so that led 
beautifully into the next week where LeBron and the Cavs travel to the Knicks. And we get some more talking and we got some actions on the court as, uh, you know, LeBron got alley-oop dunk and then uh, found his way not to move out of the way of little Frankie. And, of course, they had some words and a little shoving. And then that brought Enos Cantor down to get in LeBron's face. And all the principals were involved in Madison Square Garden. And uh, it was showtime. It was uh, it was what I call the showbiz. In WWE, I call it the E. Yes. So, you know, LeBron basically showing that he's got a, you know, He's got a flair for the entertainment side of the sporting uh, uh, sporting events. And then uh, that led the Knicks to get fired up. The Knicks, you know, basically were outplaying the Cavs in every way possible, had a 23-point lead in the fourth quarter. And then, as sometimes happens in the NBA game, when the, you know, better team on paper kind of, you know, waves the white flag and put puts in their their bench players, one of those bench players gets hot and causes a comeback and gets close enough where – the starters want to get back in, and that's what happened. As Cal Corver in the fourth quarter, you know, found his three-point stroke, hit seven threes, and uh, got the Cavs close. And LeBron came in and finished the Knicks off with his biggest fourth-quarter comeback as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, 23 points, and they beat the Knicks by three. So, Dwayne, just kind of give me your thoughts on LeBron in this week and him versus the Knicks, his comments before the game, after the game, on Instagram. All hail the king of New York. And the way pretty much, you know, that's what he proved. Um, the Knicks have the Knicks have been doing very well. Normally I would love to use my little meme of the Knicks fans shooting himself in the head with the Patrick Ewing jersey. But I can't do that this go around right now. They're playing fairly well, but they have to learn how to close out games because they had the Cavaliers dead to rights and they let they let Cleveland back in the game and you know LeBron had no business coming back in the game if you're putting up the white flag. Um but you know things do happen. Um like you said, Corver got hot and then LeBron came in and finished the job. So um I think the the comments with Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith is a dynamic player. Um but would it fit the Knicks system? We we don't know that, you know. Of course, Phil was the general manager at the time, so he was, you know, still stuck on his outdated triangle. And so we don't know if if um, Frank, um, whatever his last name is, I'm not even going to take a stab at it. Uh, we don't know if Frank would have been a good fit in Dallas. We don't know if Dennis Smith would have been a good fit in New York. But the wild week that has been for the Cavaliers, you know, they've been struggling. Looks like they finally got got the groove back going. We'll see if they start to make a charge back towards the top. Uh, stop me if you heard this one before, but uh, Derek Rose is hurt again. <laughs> of course. Like, that's water is wet when it comes to that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right. So. We'll see what the, like I said, as the Cavs turn, the greatest soap opera in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Next up, what's wrong with Lonzo Ball? I mean, I know last week might have been kind of tough for him. His brother being locked up in China, not knowing if he's going to be able to come home or, or anything like that, maybe being locked up overseas for like 10 years, which was mm-hmm. like a real possibility. So, you know, he, he might have been a little distracted last week. But overall, people are starting to kind of sour 
on Lonzo Ball. They're, they're saying they're not seeing the aggression. They're not really seeing the playmaking. He's just a guy. And uh, he hasn't, you know, been basically finishing out games here the last few games. He's been riding the bench for the whole fourth quarter. Uh, Clarkson's kind of taking over the point guard uh, role uh, in crunch time. So kind of, you know, what's wrong with Lonzo Ball? He cut his hair down a little bit, tried to get a little bit, of, you know, new mojo going. Um, is he just, you know, bright lights or, you know, is he just showing that this is who he always has been? He just, you know, it's just a magnified stage now. I think the scope is a lot. The scope is like right there now more on Lonzo because he is, he is definitely, this has been his game. Like he's, he's a very quiet, he has a very quiet demeanor to him already, which kind of gets perceived as he doesn't care. I believe he does care. I believe he wants to be successful. I believe he is going to be successful, but he doesn't have the killer instinct developed yet like a legendary Laker in the past that wore two numbers. We know who that guy is. Um, Also, it's like, you know, also, he's being bullied by other NBA players because of the actions of his dad. Pat Beverly said that on opening night. It's going to be a rough year for him because his dad put a target on his back. And, yeah, he's he has been distracted. I mean, you got the situation with his brother. Um, you know, his mother's on the mend, but, you know, I know he's always concerned about that. And, and uh, of course, the antics of... LeVar, even though LeVar has been off the radar, per se, um, it's still good to know that he is kind of like in the shadows right now, but he still has a big expectation. So the shot needs to be fixed, for one. Um, The playmaking ability is there, and I think when you need a shot, you can't rely on him because look at the percentages. It's just not good at all. Yeah, I think people were expecting a little bit more. Um, maybe even I think we all knew that a shot would probably be an issue in the NBA, but I think we expected to see more of the showtime, more of the running gun, more of the open court, you know, flashy passes, kind of, you know, kind of like young Jason Williams, where you know you got a young team, got some athletic guys on the wing, and you know you're known for being a great ball handler and a great passer. We should see more you know, those open court highlights. And we just haven't gotten a lot of those yet. And I think that's what people are kind of, you know, expected from him at the least, you know, and they haven't seen that. So I think that's a a big reason why people are kind of, you know, now questioning and looking at other aspects of his game, like, and starting to pick him apart, which, you know, usually happens for kids who only play one year in college because you don't really get a chance to see all the warts. Um, you know, be exposed as you may would if for a guy who's a freshman then transitions and comes out when he's a junior, you know, he's had a chance to kind of, you know, break his game down, figure out where he needs to get better. And, uh, you know, with the help of the new rules where you can declare, do the workouts, and then they can tell you kind of what you need to work on and you can go back to school. That kind of works out for, you know, a lot of kids. So. You know, it's a long season. I'm pretty sure he's going to get a, hit a stretch where he figures things out. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, more of the Lonzo ball that, you know, got everybody's imagination running wild in L.A. during the draft season. Next up, Joel Embiid, the process. Uh, he was out in L.A. this week and in the bright lights. 
He put on a show. 47 points, 15 rebounds, 7 blocks, 7 assists, and 34 minutes. One of the most efficient games you'll see from a, a big man uh, from hitting threes to his free throw shooting. Um, the question maybe need to be asked, if healthy, is Joel, Joel Embiid the best big man in the league? Well, I would have to say yes. I mean, and I'm going to try to keep my Jayhawk bias, you know, down here because Joel Embiid did go to Kansas. So um, I would say this. When he's healthy, he's definitely one of the best, one of the top big guys. I mean, you still got Anthony Davis. You still got DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you know, they – and the big man is, like, not the big man that Russell and Chamberlain were back in the day. I think a lot – I think more of, like, a, I call it, like, the stretch big man era now because you do have a lot of players – who want a, a lot of big men who now want to shoot the three, expand their game, um, expand their game in that in that aspect. So in this current era, I would say he is one of the best when he's healthy. Um, it's good to see him playing well. It's good to see him playing at this high level that, you know, what made the Sixers scouts take that three pick and use it on him, you know. And from a raw talent to where he is now, he's put in the work. He's doing a great job staying healthy. He's just going to have to see if if, he, if that remains, if the pace that he's on continues or or um, if he tails off and how he adjusts to that. Mm-hmm. I, I will always go back to the day the big man changed was when Kevin Garnett declared that he wasn't a center at 6'11", and he was a power forward, and he did not want to get in the blocking play center. From that day on, the position of big man has been changed because the things that Kevin Garnett could do, he could dribble, he could expand his game out. You know, that free throw line jumper was a staple of his game. Um, And then, you know, kind of Chris Webber was kind of the precursor to that. But, you know, Chris Webber as a power forward still had, you know, a lot of in the paint type of maneuvers. He got a lot of his work done in the paint per se. But when you think about Kevin Garnett at 6'11", you think about him taking that elbow jumper, you know, as his main thing. And from then on, you've seen just big men get farther and farther away from the basket. It seems like the American big men have turned into what the Euro big men used to be. And the Euro big men are now turning into what the American big men used to be. Where now we have more Euros who are like, you know, just straight up in the paint, two feet in the paint centers. Where back in the day, their big men used to be, you know, your stretch fours, your Tony Kukoc, your kind of, you know, yeah, your Dirks, your all around floor players. But things are kind of changing. Like basketball is changing so fast. And now you've got guys like uh, Joel Embiid's partner in crime, Mr. Ben Simmons, out here at 6'11", you know, shaking and baking, and nobody can stay in front of him, you know, doing what he wants. Um, The Philadelphia 76ers, it's been a long road, and there's been some guys like um, Nerlens Noel and, you know, Jaleel Okafor and a bunch of other guys who are not going to get a chance to, you know, see this actually happen and be – good but it's definitely turning they're they're on their way yeah they are they are and um you know this is exactly what sam hinky wanted and you know even though he's not there to see 
that vision come to fruition, this is this is what was going on. And I think I think if they get rid of Jalil Four, because remember he he never really wanted to be a Sixer anyway because of the because of the situation the Sixers were in. So I never I think you never really bought into it. I think I think Noel kind of I think Noel bought into it more. I mean he was also hurt, but Okafor. I think if you get rid of him and get him out that locker room, the Sixers will flourish even more than they already have right now. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's a tough one though because um, like we've said the past couple of shows when we've talked about the Sixers, um, Okafor just doesn't fit in today's NBA because he's a in the paint big man. Whose defense is whose defense is bad? So uh, you know right. you can't even justify having him on the court because he's a rebounder defender. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know because if he scores twenty, whoever he's guarding is going to score twenty. So right. <laughs> you know, it's one exactly. of those. It's one of those things. So you know, maybe he'll be able to. You would think he would maybe be able to kind of be the anchor of their second team, but you know that kind of hasn't on his way either so he's a very curious case it's going to be a very curious um study and and you know whenever he does leave philadelphia the the story behind his time there is is going to be fascinating very very much so another score this week is being brought to you by amazon.com you can do your shopping on amazon.com through cspn.us and you can help support our podcast Go to our website, cspn.us, scroll down to where it says support the podcast, and then click on Amazon, and it'll take you to the Amazon portal. Do your shopping as you normally would. Check out, add the items to your cart multiple times, do whatever you must, and you can support all the podcasts here on CSPN. So please, cspn.us and amazon.com, do it today. Final topic, we're going to talk about a little college football as the new playoff rankings came out after the wild weekend that was our new number one the alabama crimson tide followed by the clemson tigers the miami hurricanes are number three and rounding out the final playoff spot the oklahoma sooners so the previous number one georgia bulldogs went down to the plains and auburn alabama and they got handled 40-7. to seven. Uh, Their freshman quarterback finally looked like a freshman. Auburn's secondary and defensive line didn't give him any time. Auburn's defensive line shut down the running game of Georgia, uh, made them very one-dimensional. And Gus Malzahn and the Auburn Tigers, uh, they're still keeping all hopes alive, as right now they're number five in the uh or their number six excuse me behind wisconsin in the playoff so they still have a chance they still play alabama and they still have an outside chance to get into the sec title game where they can play georgia again and they can maybe work their way into the final playoff spot so Dwayne, just talk about you know as a Georgia fan for many years, I knew this was too good to be true. I knew that the college committee had set them up for a big time fall. It actually happened one week later than I thought it was. I thought South Carolina was going to get them, but they came out at home and and played really strong against them. But Auburn was the team that got them. So uh, just talk about your thoughts and, and if Auburn can crash the party. Well, I, 
and I'm not a Georgia fan by any means or stretch of imagination, but you always got to hold your breath when it comes to Georgia, even from the Mark Rick days. And, you know, I thought maybe this might be the year Georgia will actually keep their keep their hold, and then they went to Auburn, and life came at them fast. So, uh, in regards to Auburn, they have more than a very capable chance of winning against Alabama because it's a rivalry game, and anything can happen in a rivalry game. You throw everything out the window. Um, they definitely created chaos in the playoff rankings. I do think them moving up to six was was uh, deserved. I mean, you do beat the number one team in the land. You do have to move up, and they could definitely crash the party. I mean, you if you beat two number one teams in three weeks and then you get Georgia again in the title game, the SEC title game, there's no reason why you should not be in that final playoff spot or maybe even three. I think, I think Auburn – has a chance to beat Alabama. I mean, of course, they play Louisiana Monroe. You don't want to look, you don't want to look too far ahead because, you know, you don't want to get tripped up along the way. Because if you lose somehow lose the ULM at home, then your season's done. But I don't see that happening. I think they go to Alabama. They fa- they get well. Alabama comes to them, and I think that just even ups their chances of pulling an upset. All right, we had. The return of the U. Yeah. Prime time. The Miami Hurricanes put a beat them down on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 41 to 8. Their turnover chain was in full effect. Four times. Four times. One for pick six. That's got to be the best one to get. Is when you, mm-hmm. when you get the turnover for the touchdown, and then you run over there. Not only do you get to celebrate the touchdown, but you get to celebrate it with the chain. So I'll ask you two questions: Is it you back? And uh, are you a fan of the turnover chain? Yes, and yes. Look, look, it's been a long time coming. Um, I always got, I always got teased by one of my friends. He always said, "You can't spell suck without the U." Blah blah blah. And so now, after. So long after, you know, the Al Golden era and after all the October hopes and getting dashed in, you know, go undefeated in October, then the season is virtually over in mid-October. It's actually, it's great to be a Canes fan right now. It's great to be, it's great to be, you know, this late in the season and have a shot, still have a shot here. Um, Of course, you got to get by. You got to finish the schedule off. You don't want – you got Virginia at home, which should be a W, but, you know, anything can happen. And then you got to go up to Pitt, and that's not going to be an easy game because it's not in the comforts of the warm, sunny Florida weather. But – and then after that, you got the ACC title game against Clemson, which could be a – which could be, you know, pretty much one of those going to be out. Um, I think if they the loser's going to be out, so you got a tough road ahead. But to say the to answer the original question is you back definitely is great to have them back, and I love the turnover chain. I it's always fun. I'm, I'm it's like it gets you into the defense again, and seeing those players want 
to rock that chain. And it just ups the ante, just ups the defensive level. They're always looking to get the ball out of the opponent's hands. And when they do, and when they get the chain, it, it just brings that swagger back. It's, all, it's a new... It's a new era of swag, a new era of swagger for the U's. So the U's back, the turnover chain's awesome. I hope they continue to keep it up, make it a tradition, keep it going. All right, yeah, I'm a big fan of the turnover chain. Just like you said, it brings a lot of attention to, to defense, and, and, you know, they don't get a lot of praise for what they do. A lot of times we talk about them for what they don't do. So anything that can highlight, you know, defensive players making great plays, I'm definitely all for it. Um, the new number one team in the land got a scare though, as Ole Miss took Alabama to the or excuse me, Mississippi State, excuse me, took Alabama to the wire. Um, Fitzgerald, the quarterback for Mississippi State, is a boss. Um, and they almost got it done. But Jalen Hurts, Mr. Clutch, comes through with a touchdown pass with about a minute 15 seconds ago, and Alabama pulls it out on the road 31 24. Uh, coming into this weekend, a lot of people. We're saying if anybody had a chance to kind of go toe-to-toe with Alabama, not have to trick them, could just line up and say, okay, here we come, that it would be Mississippi State. And uh, that's basically how this game played out. Um, Alabama was down early, and they had to fight back, and, and they did that successfully. Um, Hertz is, you know, definitely getting more um, poised in the late-game situations and making a lot of big plays. And, uh, you know, the running game wasn't what it usually is for Alabama, so they had to go to the air, and uh, he he got the job done. So, Dwayne kind of, you know, Alabama, in every season to win a championship, you got to have a scare. And uh, this might have been the one that uh, Alabama needed to kind of stay focused through the rest of the season. Yeah, I was watching this game pretty closely, and because I was just looking for total chaos in the playoff rankings, having one, two, and three all lose in the same weekend, which would have been quite the feat. But unfortunately, Alabama did not get that memo. Um, they Mississippi State, like you said, they lined up well with Alabama. They did a great job. Um, Jalen Hurts, you got to give it up to him. He is one heck of a quarterback. He has a lot of poise, a lot of, a lot of um, ice water in his veins, you know, because that's a high-pressure situation on the road in Starkville in a hostile environment, down most of the game, and you're able to pull off a late comeback victory. That's pretty remarkable. I would say this, though. Alabama is not out the woods yet because of that trip to Auburn. And, you know, they might get another scare along the way because of the rivalry game with Auburn. That is for the SEC West and the right to play Georgia. So, But I think the Tide are going to do well in that game. I think they do get another scare in the, uh, next week, and we'll just have to see how it goes from there. All right, and we'll give a little love to the fourth team in the playoffs, the Oklahoma Sooners, as it looks like the new front runner for the Heisman, uh, Baker Mayfield. They went into uh, TCU and uh, and got the win going away. Um, they seem to be the shakiest of the uh, four teams in the playoffs, just because their defense is just so game to game. 
um, actually series to series in most cases. Um, do you feel strong about the grip that Oklahoma has on that fourth uh, spot? We got Wisconsin, who's undefeated out here at 10 to know. They're playing Michigan as we record this later today. Um, you know, so that's basically, uh, you know, a ranked team, lower rank, and they're in the 20s, but still, you know, it's every win against a ranked opponent is going to help them out because, you know, Oklahoma could, could falter. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense is very, very suspect. I mean, look at look at the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State. They gave up fifty two. They scored sixty two. Uh, they gave up they gave up thirty five against K State. They lost to Iowa State at home. They gave up forty one to Baylor earlier in the year. So I'm not really trusting of Oklahoma, um, to be honest. And then also up thirty five to K State. Uh, they did win. Of course, the big win was TCU at home, um, and then but they got West Virginia next week. I mean, they go to Kansas, which you know should be a easy W. I mean, Kansas football is not great at all, so they should get the W there. But West Virginia, I think they can pull an Iowa State. They have the capability to pull an Iowa State esque upset. So, um, and then you got the Big Twelve championship game with the top two teams. Oklahoma will be one of those teams, but their defense it's a defense that just concerns me about them. They you know, other teams play defense. Oklahoma does not. And if they don't play defense, um now they're not gonna be they may not even see the playoff at all. Right. Right. For sure. All right, so that's basically the reviews and the hot topics of this week on Another Score. At this point, Dwayne, I'll open it up to you for uh, any final thoughts or uh, you know topic that we did not cover. Um, I would say the Celtics. You know, they've won fourteen in a row. Um, you know, they had a huge win. They had a huge win at Golden State. Uh, well, not at Golden State against Golden State. So this was a big. Um, Win for them. Steph Curry did come out and say that there is a new, uh, there may be a new contender. We may see these guys in June. Um, of course, it still goes through Cleveland. The um, the East still goes through Cleveland. Also, um, on a different topic, and it's more for the WrestleCast, but um, I'm ready for Survivor Series and NXT War Games this weekend too. So, yeah, that's my final thought. All right. That's you can check out the WrestleCast here on CSPN.us. Cheap plug. Um, my final thought has to do with the last ride for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. on Sunday will be making his final laps as a full-time NASCAR driver. Um, he's basically been the most popular driver since he stepped on the scene. Um, he's had a lot of you know, triumphs in his career. And of course, you know, everybody knows about the tragedy um, that really thrust him into a, a position that, you know, he wasn't ready for, but had to accept as um, basically NASCAR nation, uh, Dale Earnhardt nation, um, it just got heaped upon him. And so the fans that were his and the fans that were his dads all of a sudden joined together and, and he had to carry us around 
for the 20 years that, that he drove in NASCAR. And, um, you know, he had some rough matches there where, you know, he wasn't winning and, uh, you know, things didn't look that good for his career going forward. People were kind of asking if he was going to, you know, be in the sport going forward, but he persevered, uh, got with Rick Kendrick and, you know, had a second chapter to his career. Um, last year he came doing? back after concussions. No, I'm just driving through. And then uh, he, you know, basically, you know, said he wanted to end his career on his terms. So he ended his career on his terms. And uh, so tomorrow he's going to race his final race. And, um, you know, he's going to raise a family. His wife is pregnant and going to go into TV, be an analyst. So, you know, just uh, raise up a a Budweiser to to Dale Jr. Oh, yeah. Also, to piggyback off that, too, Danica, this could, I think this is her last full-time season as well. She's only going to do the Daytona and the Indy 500 next year, so it's the end of the era for her as well. Yeah, yeah. Nabias, uh, final thoughts, get you back in. Um, you want to talk about John Hart and kind of the Brave situation? I know you, you gave us some intel on if John Hart kind of went his own way, you know, what that was going to lead to. Yeah, I mean, John Hart, man, that's, you know, look, man, bottom line is, you know, he had to have known what was going on. It's like, the, it was the movie Casino. All right, if mm-hmm. you knew, you're robbing me. If you didn't know, you're a damn idiot. Either way, <laughs> I don't want no parts of you. Now look, John Hart is really cool with Commissioner Manfred. They're all golfing buddies, so, you know, they protected him, and I think they're going to keep his legacy, but he also needed to go. And it's what the Braves needed. It's time to clean the house the Braves way. I'm tired of hearing about it. It's quite honestly, I mean, they haven't won anything. I mean, you know, there's 15-year-old kids. We had not even seen the Braves go to the playoffs. So, you know, it's time to move on, time to move forward forward to see what this organization is with new leadership. I like Alex. Um, I got to spend some time with him this week. Uh, sat with him about an hour in Orlando. Really good dude. Young guy who wants to do well. I think the Braves are going to be in good hands. We'll see what the punishment is going to be because that will have an impact. I think they're going to lose some draft picks. But, you know, hey, look, man, things happen. Teams survive and they will survive, man. And just another quick thought, man, you know, you know, I, I kind of hinted towards something about, you know, just, just things happening. And, you know, bottom line is, you know, gentlemen, and I say this as myself included, we all can stand to do better in our interactions with the women in our lives, not just our romantic interactions, but our interactions with all women, man. And That's really crazy. just being aware of what we're saying, what we're doing, and how it impacts these women, man. It's clear that our interactions are broken and we have to all do better and be That's better cool. and how we are and also hold each other accountable when other ones are wrong, you know, but in accountability, you know, we have to also show a little grace to people because people are trying to figure it out. Bottom line is, man, we're all trying to figure this thing out, but I definitely think as men, it starts with us and being better in what we do and how we do and the things we say and the things we don't say. So, you know, that could be, that could go towards James Wins, that could go towards a hundred different things. We all just need to be better. And quite honestly, these women deserve that. They deserve to be able to live and walk and function safely without having to worry about any threats. Definitely. Right. Thank you for that great message, device. Definitely needed in these uh, times that are definitely changing. So, guys, you know, definitely keep the words in a bias. Be aware of your situations. And like you said, just do better all around. So for both my co-hosts, Nabias Wilborn and the Libra icon, Dwayne, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.